Alina off Nagy's glove into center field. The Florida Marlins have won the World Series. Spins, throws, he got him! A perfect game for Roy Halladay! 27 up and 27 down! Behind the bag, it gets through Buckner! for the Nationals in the first game in their beautiful new ballpark. Left center field, Grissom on the run. The team of the 90s has its world championship. Hello everyone, welcome to You Gotta Believe, that By The Men NLEs podcast. We're here every Thursday to talk about the National League East and everything going on around the division. We have had an interesting week in the division where um, a few teams have been playing 500 baseball at best. So while it's still very much a four-team race, there's some problems to talk about. I am Jody Jameson. I'm a Philadelphia Phillies fan. I'm Thomas Frost and I'm a Mets fan. And uh, So we will get to talking about the, the teams in the division. I wanted to talk about something really wacky to begin with, though. Um, there was a tweet that appeared yesterday. <laughs> it appeared... After Bryce Harper got booed uh, a couple of nights ago against the Detroit Tigers uh, by the Phillies fans, which was maybe a wee bit harsh, but honestly, Harper really isn't hitting at the moment, and he had made a really bad error earlier in the game. Not to excuse the booing, just to give it some context. So Smash Mouth, some of you may remember them for essentially being a one or two hit wonder from the late 90s. Yo, Bryce, told you not to go to Philly, jackass. The San Francisco Giants fans never boo their own players. You are led by dollars only, so swim in the sea of booze now. How much do you love your agent now? Worth the taxes you avoided? How's that 45-minute drive to the stadium? LOL. Now, granted, a lot of this I don't really get. Uh, the Phillies are in first place. The Giants are in last place in their division. Uh, AT&T Park, or Oracle Park, as I think it's called right now, is one of the worst, uh, one of the worst stadiums in for a left-handed power hitter. So, obviously, like... There's a lot of reasons why Bryce Harper would have chosen the Phillies over the San Francisco Giants. Probably not uh, dismissing the dollars as well. But this tweet just this tweet appeared, uh, or at least I saw this tweet last night during the game. And I just thought it was hilarious. What did What did you think? I, I just I, for the first time I saw it uh, just before we came on air, and it's just utterly bizarre and really, and I just like I don't really see what the Open to game from. I don't know whether they were half cut when they tweeted this. I'm not sure, but uh, seems utterly bizarre to me. I mean, it's. I mean, yeah, Harper's having a tough time of it, and I mean, the boos are a separate issue. But you know, I don't. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't. I mean, not just the money. I think he's. Uh, I think he's quite glad he doesn't play on the West Coast, and um, as for the reasons you mentioned, uh, as well as. Uh, um. You know, want to play for a good team. Just really funny. They're still tweeting about it, by the way. Um, they, yeah, they were tweet, they were tweeting about it um, like late last night, and yeah, it just seems to be like it's it's just weird. I mean, I liked Smash Mouth when they were around, um, but this whole thing is just uh, very wacky, and I just found it really funny when I saw their tweet and the fact that they're still going on about it. Now, there's no denying that Harper isn't given the Phillies enough at the moment after a really, really, really hot start. Uh, he's batting 188, 
since April 7th. Three home runs, slugging percentage of 363. So he's, he's still walking a fair amount, but he's striking out an absolute ton, which is becoming a wee bit concerned. So for me, like I, I, like I say, I'm not excusing the booze. Um, but obviously, after the first week, 10 days, where Harper was tearing the cover off the ball, it has slowed down a bit. Um, but yeah, this, this whole thing with Smash Mouth, I just thought was really, really funny. I could not mention it. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this being the best feud of the year. I was looking forward to the, the rebirth of the Phillies-Mets rivalry being the best feud of the year. But Smash Mouth versus Bryce Harper could be a better. So <laughs> we'll see if this continues. I've genuinely no idea if Smash Mouth have released anything in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, I remember All Star, <laughs> which, which was a great song, to be fair. Other than that, I genuinely uh, can't remember anything since. Uh, I remember Walking on the Sun, which was a couple of years earlier, but yeah. Uh, All-Star, I need to find it when it came out. Came out in 1999, and I don't remember a single thing they've done since. So, whereas, you know, I, know, I, know it's not a fair, I know it's not a fair place, but it's fair to say that Bryce Harper, even during the sl- uh, slump, has had more hits than Smash Mouth. So, I suppose we can just leave it there. So... Uh, the National League East, we've actually got two games going on at the moment. Uh, the Mets are uh, trying to close out a shutout win over the Reds, one nothing. Uh, looks like Noah Syndergaard is looking to uh, pick a complete game shutout as well. Yeah, I don't know where he actually technically is at the moment because the feed I'm on is we've just had the second out, so I don't know whether I've missed out on any plays or anything. But Second out in the ninth He's just about to... Yeah, yeah, that's where out of the minute he's on 98 pitches about to, because uh, they're just, Jesse Wink has just been thrown out over balls and strikes, um, or more specifically, a strike that okay. technically hit the top of the zone. So he, he, uh, he's he got thrown out of the game, and then he brought some guy in to face the next pitch. He faced one pitch and got struck out. So uh, and then, but yeah, fly out the wrong. Yeah, this game has got decidedly uh, less runs in it than the... Um, than the uh, Braves game, that's for sure. Yeah, the Braves are getting posterized 11-2 by the Padres. It was funny. I checked the score on that about an hour ago. It was 1-0 Padres, and I thought, all right, okay. Uh, I was thinking once we start the podcast, I might actually put that game on. And then the Padres scored five in the fifth, five in the sixth to go 11-2 up. So uh, before we talk about the two teams that are playing at the moment, we'll save the Mets chat till uh, after that game finishes, assuming that uh, Syndergaard sees it out. Um, which would, I think, get his ERA down to five, which goes to show how difficult a start he's had to the season. But I really want to talk about the Washington Nationals. Um, they have been incredibly disappointing uh, to start the season. They've been treading water around 500. Obviously, Anthony Rendon's gone on the, injur- in the injured list, so um, that's, that's tough. But they are sitting 12 and 17. They have lost their last three. Uh, they are currently in a major, major team slump. And they're only four and a half games back off the division lead. So it's May the 2nd. So let's be serious. It's not like they're out of it. They could be four and a half games back on September the 2nd and not be out of it. But I I feel that there's reason for concern with Washington. And um, I kind of wanted to get your feeling on it. And what's really going wrong with the Nationals? Um, well, as I said, they've not been helped by, uh, as you sort of alluded to, Rendon going over on the IL, and you know Turner's been on there for best part of a month, I think. I think he only played what five games, I think, and he yeah. was hit, and he was hit from that. So 
think Zimmerman's first has gone on as well, and it's um, yeah, it's, it's I just think it's basically they're not hitting. I mean, Eaton's hitting at a decent lick. Kendrick's been sort of in and out, um, uh, but yeah, they're not really driving in that many runs at the moment. And it's you know last you know the Padre series, yeah, they it weren't it wasn't too bad. I mean, well, they, they scored seven in one game, but they, other than that, it was they scored only three each in the other two games and and then against the Cardinals they scored six in three games so it's not um, hard to tell where their problems lie I mean Scherz has not been himself really most of the season Strasbourg's been okay a little bit middling he's been I wouldn't say feast or famine but he's, he's been he does sometimes this season's in one or the other and mind you they've had a, a bit of history um, the other day they had uh First time since 1908 that they've had three guys, 21 or under, getting home runs in the same game. Robles, Soto, and Kaboom. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but and uh, but you know, so there's that. But you know, and they've got six games coming up against the Hills and the Brewers. So it's it's been a really difficult start. Actually, it's like they've just carried on from last season. It's like last season's just you know they they finished you know, in September October last year and just carried on playing this year. It doesn't like there's been any break in the in the season. Um so it it's a, it, it is a bit worrying really because they're just not scoring any runs. I mean even when Rendon was playing it's, it it does almost feel like if he doesn't get them in they're not scoring runs. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just finding it really puzzling with their offense at the moment. I think we I think we felt that they were one of those teams that um had Enough about them that they were going to be they were they were so balanced uh, in the rotation and their lineup. There was question marks about the bullpen. The bullpen hasn't been great, but I felt like Washington had enough in their starting rotation and enough in their lineup that they would be a good team. And yeah, like you say, yeah, they're missing a, they're missing a couple of key players obviously in their lineup. Uh, Trey Turner has been missing most of the season, like you said, and Rendon's going to be sitting for a while. But um, to me, I just feel like they even without those guys, should be doing a wee bit better than they are. And, I just, I, I, like, there was there was a malaise that seemed to set in in Washington last season, and it doesn't seem to have lifted. And, like, for me, I think that um, they're, they're coming into Philadelphia tomorrow for a three-game series, and, I mean, I'm not saying I think the Phillies will sweep them. I'm not saying anything like that. But if that was to happen, then... You've got to start wondering because that would put the Phillies seven and a half games ahead, potentially eight, potentially seven, because I know uh, Washington are playing tonight and the Phillies aren't. But um, obviously, like you would, you would maybe look at a situation where Atlanta and or the Mets have a good week as well, and the Nationals start to get left behind a little bit without showing real signs that they're going to turn it around. And like it's it's too early to write them off, and it's I mean. I still look at their I still look at their roster and think that's a team that even without Rendon and Turner should be able to turn it around and go on a run. But I mean, this has been a season now. This has been over a season where we've just seen very mediocre uh, baseball in Washington, and I just I just wonder because obviously, like they lost Bryce Harper, there is a possibility that um, Anthony Rendon is going to hit free agency this year, and if he doesn't re-sign. Yeah, they've got really good, talented young players like Soto, like uh, Keyboom, like um, but uh, Victor Robles. But 
I've just got question marks about Washington at the moment and the direction they're going. And yeah, like I, I kind of need to see them turn it around soon because Washington have been a perennial disappointment in a lot of ways. In that, like once they once they started to really get their act together and once they won their first division title, the fact that they never won a playoff series was bad enough. But then the amount of times they had a really really good team and didn't even make the playoffs, and then last season looked it looked like. At the start of the 2018 season, it looked like Washington were just going to stroll that division, and they finished miles behind. That if something like that was to happen again, then you feel like you feel like that's a team that's just never going to do it. You feel like that's a team, even with the really good players they have, they need to make some changes and they need to actually think about trading off their valuable pieces and just rebuilding because they do obviously have such really valuable pieces. And you're not going to trade the guys like Key Boomer and Soto because they are your future. But at the same time, I wonder if they don't turn it around anytime soon, if they consider flipping Rendon uh, near the deadline and trying to get someone back for him. I mean, that's obviously a long, long way away. That's a long, long way away. There's so much baseball to be played between now and the trade deadline. And by the time the trade deadline comes, Washington could be 20 games over 500 for all we know. But just looking at the evidence of last season and this season, uh, I, I think I think it's fair to be concerned. Yeah, certainly. And, and I was just, while you were speaking, I was just taking a look um, at the... Uh, the May that they've got, and obviously they're playing the last of their four-game set against the Cardinals. I mean, they're looking to to not get swept. I mean, there's there's hardly anything more debilitating than being swept in a four-game series. Um, That's warm as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and they've barely scored any runs, as I've already said. But then they've obviously got three against you. They've got three against the Brewers. They've got four in at, at the at Dodger Stadium. They've got three at City Field. They've got uh, three against the Cubs. They they They've got four at home against us. Then they've got the Marlins, admittedly, but then they end this end the month with a two-game set against the Braves. That is a tough month. <laughs> yeah, May, May is going to be so crucial for the Nationals because they they cannot afford to fall away, and they have some, like you say, some really really tough series coming up. And like that's the thing, getting swept at home against the Cardinals is bad, even though the Cardinals are a good team, but. I mean, if they if they don't turn it around this month, then the only thing that would like the only thing that would keep them in the race is a yeah, baseball's a long season, and b the fact that no one's really pulling away in the division at the moment. Um, so like I've got concerns about Washington. Maybe maybe in the next couple of weeks they will look back and laugh about this discussion. But um, I like I said, I think it's fair to have the have the discussion. So. Um, yeah, I think it's worth talking about. So, uh, Mets game's finished, am I right? Uh, yeah, um, they uh, stole a base and then they uh, borderline call on the outside corner for a strikeout. So, yeah, it's 1-0. Uh, Mets are back to being Mets. You know, the last two days we've scored one run and conceded two runs in 18 innings. So, it's uh, <laughs> Mets baseball is truly back. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Syndergaard, four-hit shout-out today. DeGrom, I can't remember how long he went yesterday, but I know he was throwing no-hit baseball for a while. Seven innings. Was it seven innings? And uh, then Edwin Diaz came in and gave up a home run. So, um, so like... Like I, I mean, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make any assumptions about the Mets at the moment. They've just gone to 16 and 15. Um, what's your thoughts on the Mets so far, or certainly in the last week? Uh, I guess it's frustration as much as anything. I think 
the realization, I guess, that is that Familia is not the pitcher he was a few years ago, and I think we uh, we definitely uh, he's one of a couple of errors that have come to light. I think of uh, our new general manager. There's, he's made some decent moves, but the familiar move was um, was was wrong. Obviously, he's clearly not got it anymore, and it, it's. And he, I've got to admit, I know you shouldn't be glad someone's injured, but I can't deny I'm a little bit relieved to see him go on the IL, really, because he just doesn't look like he's got the stuff anymore. And it's just, um, I can't remember how much we're paying him, but it's something like 10 million a season, something ridiculous like that. And it's just, um, and obviously we've had this embarrassment this week about Travis Darno, and we had the chance to cut him in spring training, decided not to. We decided, oh yeah, he's our second guy. Despite the fact that Degrom made non too subtle um, sort of hints that he wanted Mezzarako back, um, I mean, we decided to give Travis uh, three, just over three and a half million dollars, and then we now we've uh, DFA'd him after a two two for twenty three start. I mean, he's never been the player because people forget that well he was in this not just that he was in the Syndergaard deal, but he was the prize asset in that deal. You know, so it was uh, when we got when we traded Dari Dickey to the to the Blue Jays for those for those two, and it was. Um, but he's never. I mean, he's either been injured or he's just not been cutting it really. And it's we. You know, that's three and a half million that could have gone elsewhere. Really, you know. So um, on a start on someone like Gio Gonzalez or something, you know, or or towards a relief pitcher or something. You know, it it's those two things have been incredibly. Uh, sort of frustrating and obviously the last couple of days we've had uh, Diaz with a couple of um, losses obviously in the late innings and it's the first time we've really brought him in in a uh, non-save situation and he's blown it both times and I came across a, a stat earlier uh, yesterday I think and it was that yeah sorry early today sorry and that the, that's uh, Diaz in in tie games has a line of um, three three over three 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 batting average four oh three on base six oh eight um, uh, slugging and that's over one three four play appearances. It's virtually half that um, in other situations over six hundred and ninety. So it's that you know that is a sizable chunk. Really, that you, that you may maybe we can start to be worried, really. But it's it, it there is there've been some things to be happy about. This you know Alonso's keep kept going, and he's about a third of the way to Daryl Strawberry's Mets rookie record. So, I mean, he's on nine home runs and twenty six RBIs. Um, Strawberry is record was twenty six homers and seventy four. So, you know, and he's Alonso's also only one of twelve rookies to have thirty hits by the end of April. In you know, in history, he's got 30, exactly as as uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. as well. So that's a a nice little stat there. But it's, as I said, there are some things to be happy about. But you know, I mean, last two days, I guess. I mean, I know we lost last night, but um, you know, that will happen. Something you're not going to score six, seven game uh, runs every game. You know, this is this isn't a Murderer's Row after all. So it's, uh, but. It's definitely more encouraging the last couple of days for I know it's only the Reds and that, but it, it is encouraging that Jake can I mean Jake went seven innings and then nine innings obviously today for, for Thor, so um 
and that's, I do think the ball fan is heading in the right direction. I mean, Lugo certainly, I think, is is much more like himself. Um, so as I said there's things to be happy about. There's some things to be a little bit disappointed about. But it, it's you know, I mean, and then we got six games to come against um, away at the Brewers and the Padre. So very, very uh, tough couple of series right there. Yeah, um, that, I think that's the big thing for the Mets at the moment is obviously like if if Degrom and Syndergaard obviously had reasonably slow starts this season, but uh, the last two days for them have been incredibly, incredibly encouraging. If they can keep that going, the Mets are probably going to be all right. The offense has slowed down a little, but there's still enough good bats there that it's not really a concern to be honest. Um, so I think I think we're I think we're seeing enough from the Mets that things are. Slowly starting to come together, and yeah, if they can, if they can start hitting like they were, and they literally have forty percent of their games being started by Degrom and uh, Syndergaard, the way that they pitched last year and have in previous re- years, you've always got a chance to win. You've always got a chance to be a good team. So it can be, it can literally be as simple as that. To be honest, when you look at the Mets, and I think. If the Mets go on any sort of run, I don't think it's a huge surprise because they have enough offense that I think DeGrom's going to get run support this season. Granted, he didn't yesterday. And uh, Syndergaard only needed one run today, which, to be fair, he provided. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that for the Mets, it's uh, there's, there's definitely reasons to be positive and reasons to believe that they are well in the hunt for this division. Um, the division is being led at the moment by the Phillies. Uh, they're two games up. They are, I want to say, 17 and 13, but I'm getting forgetful. They are, yeah, 17 and 13. Uh, the last week's been very positive. Granted, uh, playing the Marlins and the Tigers at home can do that to you. Uh, over the last six games, the Phillies have won four. The two that they've lost, they only gave up three runs. Uh, I think... There's, there's there's a lot to say about the Phillies at the moment. As we touched on right at the start, Bryce Harper really isn't giving the Phillies enough at the moment. He's in a major funk. Uh, granted, he did hit a couple of balls hard yesterday, so there was reasons to think that he might get his mechanics sorted and we might see good Bryce Harper very, very soon. The rest of the offense, it's interesting. McCutcheon is starting to hit again. Uh, Gene Segura continues to hit. Reese Hoskins... It's weird with Reese Hoskins because, like, he at times is swinging very wildly and and looking all over the place, but when he makes contact, the ball is staying hit. And so Hoskins is just being productive by every time he makes solid contact, he's either putting it out or he's putting it in the gap, and that's been that's been really 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 pleasing for us. Cesar Hernandez's glove is still slumping, but his bat is actually got going the last couple of weeks. Real Muto's bat's been good the last couple of weeks and Michael Franco continues to be the greatest eight-hitter in the history of baseball uh, according to the Phillies um, Twitter page. But what's actually pleasing me is the pitching staff at the moment. I think that if you go through the rotation at the moment, Nola has now had two and a half starts in a row where he's been good. Arietta's been good. Zach Eflin's been good. He actually pitched a complete game on Sunday. Uh, Jared Dykoff, I'm not sure how long he can keep it up, but he's been very good. And Vince Velasquez, for me, has been very, very good until his last start. The trouble that we have with Velasquez is that 
he just throws too many pitches to get guys out. I mean, I think he, I think, I think he went three and two thirds on uh, Tuesday night and gave and had thrown ninety nine pitches. And he's bad for that. He's bad for the he's bad for the twenty odd or thirty pitch inning, even when he's pitching not bad. And to be honest, like he didn't pitch great on Tuesday night, but it was his first bad start of the season. So, um, you know, if if you told me it would take till May for Velasquez to put up a bad start, I'd have been quite delighted. So, uh, the bullpen for the Phillies as well is doing not bad. They are getting good production out of guys like. Uh, Hector Ramos has really got it straightened out. Adam Morgan's been superb as the as the lefty specialist. He's even been getting righties out as well, which is surprising. Saratni Dominguez has been up and down. He actually had a really, really unlucky outing yesterday where he gave up a bloop single, then uh, an infield single, and then a broken bat bloop to give up a run. But um, yeah, I think the Phillies pitching is actually really surprising me at the moment. I don't think it's been brilliant. But it's been steady, and I think steady was probably the best you're going to get out of this rotation. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, it's it's been a strange old one, really. I mean, it's cause obviously as is as we've already touched upon, like Harper's like last 15 games, he's below the Mendoza line, and he's barely hitting for any power at all. And it's just, um, but yeah, I mean, it's no look. Definitely, in the last few starts, it looks like he's becoming much more himself. And and uh, yeah, I did I did look the other day about uh, Velasquez. I mean, that's what yeah, that looked a horrific start. Um, that did. Well, I must admit, when I first saw it, I thought taking him out after only three innings, even though he's only gone for three runs. I thought that's a bit odd. And then I saw his pitch count. So because yeah. um, <laughs> actually, I mean, it was a very close game, obviously. But it's like I said, even though he. Give up three and three innings. His ERA is still under three, so it's um, yeah, it's been a. I think I mean I wouldn't say the Phillies are becoming consistent, but I think they're getting there. I think it's the first signs of maybe someone breaking away. I mean you've um, I mean, yeah, that's the you are because I mean I think there's some players that could heat up. I mean, you, as I said, I think your pitcher rotation is just slowly getting there. Uh, no, it's looking good, but I said yeah. There are still some players like Real Muto who can maybe find another level. I'm not sure, but maybe he's, he is hitting at his level at the moment. I'm not sure, but it's um, it's definitely encouraging from the Phillies' perspective. And it's been a strange one the last couple of series, though, because like you've scored in one game in each series, you saw one game you scored twelve, and in other last night you scored seven. And it's um, but you know in other ones that there's. There was a 1-3, a 4-0, a 5-1, a 1-3. Um, you know, so it's been a little bit topsy-turvy in that, in that sense. But, yeah, you've it got has, a... It has been, actually, because, like, even if you look at the Tigers series, right, I know it was only two games, but the at-bats in game one of that season, A series, were dreadful. Like, it was just the, the, the overall approach was just appalling. And then in yesterday's game... The approach was better, but they still weren't really getting any results. And then they just eventually exploded and uh, got their act together. And like, yeah, I just think this offense is this offense is good, but as with every offense in baseball, it's going to have its inconsistencies. But um, yeah, I think that like I was so so frustrated watching that game on Tuesday because the at bats were just terrible. The amount, the amount of times guys were getting like ahead in the count and then swinging it garbage 
two and zero or three and one or whatever was just infuriating. But I think the Phillies are going to be quite a boomer bust offense. I think a lot of offenses are like that in baseball right now. Um, if you're not hitting the long ball, you're struggling. But um, yeah, I think that the the pleasing thing about this Phillies team is that for the most part, they have guys on that team like McCutcheon, like Harper, like Hoskins, like Real Muto. That if you're willing to walk them, they will take it. And yeah. they've got enough power up and down the lineup that if you do start walking guys, they are going to punish you. So, um, like. I was I was so like I say I was so annoyed on Tuesday watching them, but um, I thought that I, I still think that this is an offense that's going to put a lot of runs on the board. Granted, it's going to be in spurts, and it's going to be it, like you say. There's going to be there's like there was two games this week, uh, this past week where they scored one run, and then they scored twelve that night um, on I think it was Friday night against the Marlins. So you never know, but. Uh, I've got reasons to be pleased with the Phillies. Um, my concern is obviously still going to be the pitching staff because as steady as they've been, there are still guys there that I expect to get roughed up. And yeah, um, I still feel like Velasquez and Ikov in particular are pitching over their head. So hopefully they don't come back down to earth with a bump, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it's... Uh... Let's say he got a big week. Sort of, I know, I know. I mean, the Nats are struggling at the moment, but then you've got three games. I think at uh, in St. Louis, I think. So it's um, so that's so that'll be a big series. That'll be a good test. I mean, that is that probably the on paper toughest um, series you've had so far. Potentially, just the way that they've started. Really, you'd imagine so. Um, I think I think that they are. They're a team that have obviously got a lot of talent. They're a team that I don't think a lot of people were really picking to make the postseason this year, but they've got off to a good start. And as much as I don't think anybody was picking the Cardinals to win that division, I don't think it's a surprise that they're top of it, if that makes sense. Well, it's, well speak for everyone else. I was I, I had them winning the division at the start of the season, i got to admit. Um, okay. Yeah, as it is at the moment is um, is how I imagine it. I, I think the Goldschmidt one, like they really, and there's that uh, Martinez, I think it is, isn't it? In the middle of their order. He was brilliant against the Mets. He just flat out hits. And um, and yeah, yeah, watch out for him. He's he he's a he's like McNeil. He honestly, he's just uh, he just he's horrible to get out. And it's um, and obviously there's Goldie as well, who I, from me- from memory, I don't think has maybe he, again he's a bit like Harper. Harper, I think, has had like a bit of a middling start, and you know he had that great game early on in the season where I think he had three home runs. But unless my memory is completely doing me here, I don't think he's been as good as he can be so far. So you know, they're, they're, he's they're three games up, uh, they've won the last five. Um, so no, I they're about where I imagined. Um, they because I I'm not overly impressed by the Cubs I gotta admit and the Brewers um, I really like but they're gonna just take a lot of games of each other but I do expect the Cardinals to to be right up there at the end of the season um, so yeah it'll be a really interesting series uh, to watch really um, because you know two really really good teams two sides who improved over the winter and yeah it'll be a great test for you both actually just to see where you're at. 
Yeah, it's, that's an interesting one because the Cardinals are on a on a just streaking at the moment. So um, you do you do wonder because like sometimes early in the season because I think they, they've won like they've won like five in a row and they've won like ten of their last eleven or something like that. And uh, little little runs like that can happen to really anybody. We saw what happened with the Seattle Mariners early in the season, but um, I think the Cardinals will probably be here to stay. I I honestly. Like I, I thought the Brewers would win that division, and I had the Cardinals second behind the Cubs, eh, ahead of the Cubs. Sorry, but um, we'll see how it plays out over time. But um, yeah, I, I can't. I, I, there's a part of me that's looking forward to that series with the Cardinals next week because it'll be a really good test. But there's a part of me that worries that um, if the Cardinals keep doing what they're doing at the moment, it could be a pretty miserable experience. Yeah, um, certainly. But yeah, it's, it'll be great for the neutral, I imagine. I mean, obviously, I won't be neutral, obviously. But yeah. it, it, um, I'll be, I'll, I'll do my best to try and enjoy it as a fan. I, I must admit, I, I don't know the times of it uh, yet. I mean, I've got some time off early next week, so um, I might there's be. A day able... game on, there's a day game on Wednesday. I know that. Okay, I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll try and watch that then because it's. It's it's definitely has potential to be quite an interesting series. Yeah, um, a team that's get a team that um, we we've talked about obviously a lot. The Atlanta Braves. Um, we 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 could kind of rehash what we said last week about the Braves. We like them, but they're also a team that they're, they're also a team that could be mediocre, but they're a team more than capable of having a month where they win like twenty games. So you just don't know with the Braves. They are currently getting plastered by the Padres, um, which would, uh, unless they score 10 runs in the bottom of the ninth, drop them to 15 and 16, which is not really what I expect from the Braves. Um, I, at the start of the season, expected the Braves to maybe be a wee bit mediocre, but having watched a few of their games this season, I actually like the way that they play baseball, and I kind of started to really, really enjoy their rotation. But... um, like Fontanevich has been lit up today. Uh, granted, four of the runs he gave up today were unearned, but even then, his ERA is over five now. So uh, the Braves, again, their offense is a bunch of guys OPSing between 850 and 900. So there's a lot of consistency there, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. The Braves are so puzzling to me at the moment because I'm just finding them really, really hard to figure out because every time I watch them, they look really impressive. I watched them on Sunday Night Baseball a couple of weeks ago where they just put endless runs on the board against Cleveland. I watched them on, I think it was Monday night against the Padres, and I just thought they looked like a good baseball team. (laughs) Uh, Granted, the Padres made a lot of errors in that game. But uh, when I don't watch the Braves, I just can't seem to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at their recent results. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean sorry, to sorry to interrupt, by the way, but I'm going to have to stick on MLB TV because Charlie Culberson's pitching. Oh, magnificent. <laughs> I love it. Uh, who doesn't love that? Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, that Rocky series, you know, they can, they, I think they lost it 2 1, didn't they, to the Rockies, and they uh, conceded 8, 9, and 7. In after uh, game. And you know, I mean, in the first three games of this series, they conceded just six. You know, so it's um, 
and they conceded five in each in two innings um, uh, today. So you know that's 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 baseball in miniature, really, isn't it? I mean, it, it's just. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean they're a strange team. I mean, I said I think like you know they're hitting. You know, I mean I was looking again earlier on. Swanson's had a had a decent week. He's gone for seven for his last twenty three. He's been middling pretty much. He's either been feast or famine at times. Really started really well, slumped for two weeks. He's, he's had a decent week. Albies, 10 for his last 27. Freddie Freeman being Freddie Freeman. Donaldson's not hitting much, but uh, I think I saw earlier on that he's got a ridiculous on base over the past week or so. Mm-hmm. Something like a shy of 500 or something. And it's just, uh, so they're getting on at a big clip. But um, as I said, they've not scored hatfuls of runs. This, you know, I mean, this series alone, they, I mean, They've scored three, three, five, and two. You know, so it's um, it, they're they're a hard team to work out, really. I think they seem to be saying the same things every week. I mean, uh, this is slowly turning into the Max Freed Appreciation Podcast. But again, he was um, brilliant the other day. Seven innings, four hits, one earned, seven strikeouts, no walks. You know, he he was uh, brilliant yet again, and it's. Uh, uh, we do seem to be saying the same sort of things every week about them, really, but it it's no less true, and it's um, they're a hard team to work out, really. Yeah, they definitely are. Culber- Culberson uh, is, is throwing 92, so I'm quite enjoying this. He's throwing nothing but fastballs, though. He did strike out the first guy he faced, and then he gave up a hit and a walk, so it's two on, two on one out with uh, Ian Kinsler at the plate. Um, but yeah, uh, the Braves... The Braves annoy me, to be honest, because like I know I know baseball isn't as simple as this, but I look at everything they're doing, and they should be better than a team that's about to drop under five hundred. Um, and yeah, like the the rotation's been okay at times, but just such inconsistency. Like you say, they'll go a few they'll go a few games like this Padres series where they weren't giving up a, a lot of runs. But they don't seem to be giving up. Like they don't seem to be having many games where they're conceding like four runs or five runs. They seem to either be, you know, pitching gems or getting roughed up. And there seems to be no middle ground for them. So yeah, that kind yeah. of yeah. me. Yeah, it's very. It's a very. They're a very strange team, and it's a very strange division. Yeah, Culberson just got a fly out from Kinsler. So I'm like, I, lo- I love position players pitching. It's the best. Yeah, uh, sorry, go sorry. on. Uh, that was we're going to say, Brian, Ike Davis uh, doing it for Oakland. My, my favourite one was Pablo Sandoval's curveball. Do you remember that? Oh, God, I think I've... It was going like 90-mile-an-hour fastballs and 70-mile-an-hour 70, 70 fucking Bugs Bunny curveballs. They were brilliant. Oh, God. it's uh, it, There's something uh, oddly special about it, that's for sure. I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah, I nearly said the Florida Marlins, the Miami Marlins, showing my age there. Um, they they are they are they are slowly just plodding along, winning the odd game here or there, but um, still not a lot to be um, particularly excited about. And they recently sent Brinson back down to AAA, which I think is really the story of the week for the Marlins. Obviously, Brinson was like the centerpiece of the Christian Yelich deal. He had a tough rookie season, and it's only got worse in year two. Yeah, um, it's just been a nightmare for the bloke. I mean, I'm, I haven't seen what it was the last couple of weeks, but I know the first couple of weeks of the season, he was up and down the order. He was 
like everywhere from like clean up to about seventh or eighth in the order and it was i can't imagine that um obviously i've never played the game but i can't imagine it's um nice you know especially for a young player trying to make his way in the game especially one with a bit of a reputation um you know to be up and down the order like that and it's i feel for the kid really i really i really hope um he gets his act together really because you know the marlins really he he must have been one of the ones looking into this season as, as well as some of their young pitchers that they've got you know that they want to build this team around really i mean i would have thought i mean you know brenton alfaro the position players and then the, obviously the uh, the great young uh, pitchers that they've got and it's it's a bit of a worry really but you know i think they've done the right thing they've got to send him down because he's not gonna um improve like this his, his confidence is obviously clearly a bit shot and hopefully he can find himself a settled settled uh, place in the in the minor league uh, in the minor leagues and um and then get his confidence and his hold back and then the marlins can uh call him back um i don't know i mean i'd probably give him a you know a couple of months bring him back after the all-star break if he's hitting and uh and then hopefully he can have a good second half and you know and but it, it's one thing that that um i quite liked from so far this season is the um real muto and alfaro obviously they were in that uh, trade together they've got almost identical lines it's, yeah Al- uh, alfaro's a funny one because he can he, he, he can be very productive with a bat yeah i mean they've got they're both averaging 288 alfaro's averaging uh i've got an on base of 345 real muto 356 alfaro slugins 475 Real Mutos is four five two, so it's um, you know, and obviously the there's not much. There's about twelve points within uh, uh, OPS as well, so it's um, been quite uh, cool. He, he's definitely caught my eye, Alfaro. He's uh, looks like he's got a better pop as well. So I um, mean, he's got more home runs than Real Muto this season. I mean, he's basically he's struck out eight more times, but and Real Muto's actually got double his RBI total, but that might just that is a bit of a stupid stat, really, I guess, because Real Muto is actually going to have more people on base, isn't he? So, yeah. Um, um, so, but yeah, it's a great, nice to see him make a make a great start. Um, I mean, the Phils again, just a little bit of a strange one. Um, they, you know, they scored nine against you guys, but in, in the other three games, they only scored, I think, five runs, no, four runs. Yeah. And um, whilst not actually, I mean, again, if you take out that. Um, game. I mean, there was 21 runs in that um, in that game three against you guys. But in, apart from that, there were um, four, eight, uh, 13 runs in the other three games. So it's just um, well, 14, sorry. And it's uh, again, it's just been a few very weird series amongst the year uh, because there was there was you know there's that anomaly, and then they only although they did manage one thing that did caught my eye against the Indians was that they. Um, uh, they, they lost, but they actually managed to get four runs against uh, Trevor Bauer, you know, which is um, not something that um, everyone has been able to do this season. I think it's actually got Bauer's um, ERA over two, actually, um, even though I think he actually ended up taking the win. But again, so that's, again, anomaly. Marlins offense is pretty damn awful, and yet they've managed to uh, score four runs against one of the, the best money pitchers in the game right now. Yeah, baseball's fucking weird sometimes, isn't it? Yep, I mean, love it. 
is bizarre. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll start to wrap up just now. Culberson did pitch a scoreless inning, though he did load the bases. He walked. He walked. Um, I, I can't even remember who he walked, but he got a fly out from Francisco Mejia. The bases loaded. So uh, if there's anything better than seeing um, position players pitch, it's position players pitch scoreless innings. So we love it. Uh, so yeah, we'll wrap up just now. We will be back in a few days um, with my favorite Marlins, uh, and we're going to kind of track really the history of the first 11 years of the Marlins from the expansion team all the way through to winning the World Series in their uh, fifth year, immediately blowing it up and then out of nowhere winning it again in 2003. So we will we will kind of talk about really how a team like the Marlins were able to win two World Series despite the fact that they never really felt like they were an overly competitive team. So it, it's, it's, it's a wacky story, but um, I think it's... I think rather than trying to pick our favourite World Series team, it's best just to track the history of how this happened. So um, as for the regular podcast, we'll be back again next week as usual. Thomas, thanks for joining me. No problem. Thanks, Jerry. I've been Jody Jameson. We will talk to you again in a few days.